I've got friends that are atheists. They don't believe in Jesus. They don't believe that Jesus is the Son of God. But they have no issues participating in Christmas. Isn't that funny? It's, it's like they have no issues buying me presents, which I don't have issues with that either. Um, but they have no issues receiving and putting up the, and being a part of the whole, uh, you know, uh, fiasco. And, and they wear red and green and, and funny Christmas sweaters. And they'll put lights on their houses. They don't even believe in Jesus, but yet they'll participate in Christmas. And so I don't want to talk about Christmas. I want to talk about white Christmas, which is something very, very, very different if you think about it. Um, and, and what's different between a Christmas and a white Christmas is a white Christmas acknowledges what Jesus did on Christmas and what he made possible. See, Christmas is, is Jesus' birthday, but a white Christmas is acknowledging what happened on his birthday. See, you and I have uh, a plethora uh, of mistakes in a peppered past, things that we wish we didn't do, things that we wish we didn't say. And, uh, and God knew that before we were ever born. He, he looked down, he saw me, and he just went, oh, my goodness. Me, you got to help him. See, he couldn't pray. He couldn't say, God, help him. He had to, me, you got to help him. Um, and, and so, uh, I know that was a little corny, but all right, let, let me read uh, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. This is God speaking, and, and I just love how forthright he is. He, he doesn't have a passive, aggressive um, vein in his body, so to speak. Well, listen to this, Isaiah chapter 1, verse 18. This is the Lord. Come now, let's settle this. I love that. Come, let's settle this. The Lord says, though your sins are like scarlet, it's like this deep red, kind of like these flowers right there, I will make them white as snow. Though they are red like crimson, I will make them as white as wool. If, now this is our response to what he wants to do for us, if you will only obey me, you will have plenty to eat. But if you turn away and refuse to listen, you will be devoured by the sword of your enemies. I, the Lord, have spoken. And so what he's saying here is, is that he is going to forgive us of all of our sins. And he's going to allow this, uh, this gruesome, speckled past of ours just to be washed away and we'll be white as snow. But there is a responsibility. Uh, there is a response to this that we have to do. We have got to pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ. We've, we've got to pursue it. We've got to make him number one, and we've got to pursue him. Now, you don't have to be perfect, but you do have to pursue. You, it's not a, a spectator sport. We're not talking about Christmas we're talking about a white Christmas, it, receiving this. Let me see if I can illustrate this. Charles, why don't you come on up here real quick and, and uh, come right here and take your jacket off for a second. Let me see uh, if, if I can illustrate this. Um, if, and, and just stand right up here. If, if Charles's life 
were to be represented by black clothing, um, meaning that every negative thing, every bad thing, every, every sinful thing that he's ever done would be a stitch of black clothing. Um, he, like you, like me, uh, would be just clothed, go ahead and put it on, uh, would just be clothed in this sin. And, and what the enemy would want to do is, is he would want to remind you of how much sin is in your life and in my life all the time. Uh, you don't pray enough. Uh, you're a fake. I used to have a friend of mine say, uh, used to say, I want to go to church, but I'm not living for God, and, and I'm not going to be a fake, so I'm not going to go at all. And so that would be something the enemy would say. He would say, you're a fake. Uh, don't go to church. Uh, why are you praying right now when you haven't prayed in six months? In fact, let's talk about what you've been doing instead of praying. You've been this, and you've been that, and you've been this, and you've been that. And he just bombards you. In fact, the Bible says that Satan stands before God and accuses us day and night. In other words, God, did you see what Charles just did? Did you see what he just said? Did you see what he just did? Did you see what he just said? Did you see what he just did? Did you see what he just said? Look how filthy, look how sinful he is. And this happens all day long. But because there is a white Christmas, Jesus said, look, I'm going to come and, and I'm just going to do something completely different here. Uh, I'm going I'm to come down and I'm going to make all that sin um, just kind of go away. I'm, I'm just, and this is what, this is, this is what I, I want you to see. And so just like there is an accuser in heaven. Did you see what, what do you see what, what Charles just did? And, and Jesus would say to, to God the Father, say, yeah, look at him. What, what, what do you see? What, what, what do you see? And I, and I just want to let you know, for those of you that pursue a relationship with Jesus Christ, that it's important to you, that you do the best you can. I just want you to know that every single thing that the enemy tells you you've done and you've done wrong and you're this and you're that, I, I just want you to know that when God looks at you and when Jesus looks at you, he sees white. Amen. He sees white. Would you give the Lord a round of applause for that uh, innovation? He sees white. But uh, let, me, let me just say this for, so all of us would, would be um, encouraged. Um, you, you know what God wants you to do. Um, you know, sometimes I, I do premarital counseling and, and I'll pass out this book called The Five Love Languages because everybody has one of five love languages and uh, it's physical touch, quality, time, um, helps. Uh, there's some ladies in this room, I, your husband can bring you 14 dozen roses, but, but if, he change, if, he, if he cleans out the dishwasher, whoo, you know, it, it's, it, that means it's help. Some of you, it, it's, it's physical touch. And others, uh, I think it's quality time is the last one. And I, used, I had this smart mouth in the office one time. It, it was naturally, it was the guy. But uh, he, said, he said, I'll give her quality time if she gives me physical touch. We'll just kind of do it at the same time. I said, I, I don't know that that kite's going to fly, pal. Um, <laughs> let's just be honest with each other. But, you know, there's this, um, man, I embarrassed myself by giving that one. Uh, now I don't even know what I was talking about. Um, geez, I feel like I'm right. What was I talking about? 
oh, the words of affirmation. Okay, well, how about I just move on? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, how about if I look at my notes? That would help, wouldn't it? Oh, there we go. Um, there's, there's, we don't have to uh, wonder and guess what God wants. We have to wonder and guess what somebody's love language is sometimes, but we don't have to wonder and guess what God wants because he actually put it on your heart. He put it, he tucked it in your heart. Watch this. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 16, it says, This new covenant I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and write them on their minds. And so what's happening is, is Jesus is saying this. Look, if, if you want to respond to what I've already done, you will know what I want because it's on your heart. You know what's cool is I've been in church my whole life, and there's people here today that this is your first time in church, maybe ever, and, and you and I both know what God wants. It's right here. We just know. We just know. He put it right in our hearts, and so if we're going to respond. Now, for those of us that do respond, we need to be prepared for four moments. Are you guys ready for this? For four moments. And, and moment number one is perplexity. Perplexity. The very first Christmas, when Jesus was born, he's coming down to introduce this, this forgiving life. There's perplexity because Mary was completely perplexed. She was, uh, was Jesus' mother, and, and the Bible says that when the angel showed up to Mary and told Mary that she's going to be pregnant, her response um, was, was simply this. She was confused. The Bible says that she was confused and disturbed. And, and the Bible says that the angel said, don't be afraid. And so she was confused, disturbed, and afraid. And, and if you're going to walk with God, if you're going to pursue God, if you're going to respond... You can brace yourself for perplexity. That's point number one, perplexity. It, it, your relationship with God, is it, you're never going to have all the answers. And so you, you have this decision to make. Can everyone look at me? You have this decision to make. What are you going to do with the lack of answers? What are you going to do with the lack of answers? Because you're never going to have all of them. And so what are you going to do with your lack of answers? Are you going to take a very passive approach with your relationship with God because you don't understand everything? Or are you going to back up and say, I don't understand everything, but even on my best day, even if I were to study the Bible inside and out, up and down, left and right, I'm never going to understand anything because he's great and I'm just a human and I'm just going to embrace the fact that if I don't understand everything, that does not mean I don't have to accept anything. See, that's the trouble we make sometimes. And, and I mentioned this during the first service that so many times we aim to please God, but when he doesn't answer that prayer and he doesn't do this and he doesn't do that, it's so easy to take a casual approach because, and here's the reality, I'm not gonna have as much faith in him as I have in the past and I'm not gonna pray as much as I have in the past because you're not gonna disappoint me twice. Have you ever been in a relationship where somebody hurt you? And then you think to yourself, I'll give relationships another shot, but that isn't going to happen to me anymore. And so you give your heart, but there's a little part of your heart that you hold back because that isn't going to happen to you anymore. 
And oftentimes when you're in a relationship with God, you say, I'm in, I believe you exist, I believe there's a heaven, I believe there's a hell. And, and when you come, the Bible says it's gonna come in a twinkling of an eye, which means we're never gonna know when that's gonna happen. I wanna make sure that when that does happen, I go to heaven. So, so I am gonna come to church and then I'm gonna do the best I can, but I'm not gonna throw my whole self into it because I'm completely perplexed and I don't quite understand. And, and guess what? Mary was the same exact way. She was disturbed by the news that she was pregnant with God's son. She was confused and she was afraid, but I want to encourage you that perplexity is a staple in every human's life. And it's just a reminder that God's ways are greater than our ways. It does not mean that things are out of control or that God is ignoring you. In fact, quite the contrary. Point number two, the other moment that we have to embrace is that moment of surprise. No, marinating. It's marinating. I'll get to surprise in a minute. There's this marinating. The Bible says that when Mary received this news, she tucked it away in her heart. She tucked it away, and, and, and she was a woman of prayer. And so she would pray about it, and she would tuck it away. And so in those moments of being confused and disturbed um, and perplexed, she just kind of tucked it away. And I just want to say that I'm not asking for us to check our brains at the door and just take everything by faith and the things that you don't understand, just, just believe. I'm not saying that either. I'm just saying tuck it away in your heart and talk to your father about it. Just pray about it. God's not afraid of those big questions. I remember when I was learning long division inside of school, uh, I could not understand how six would go into 36. Now that's long division for me, by the way. Um, <laughs> I just didn't understand that. It, you know, how could five go into 2000? I, I don't get it, 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 I don't get it. And, and the teacher would have t students come up and, and do problems on the board. And I, could, I had hair in those days, and I could feel beads of sweat underneath my hair just going ding, 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 ding. This like right on my back, this round circle of sweat. Because if I walk up to that board, I don't know what's going to happen. I'm, I'm, I'm scared to death. And it's... It's crazy, and I just want to let you know that God is not afraid of your questions like I was afraid of those questions. God's not afraid of your questions. He says, tuck them in your heart. Let's talk about them. Let's talk about them because his ways are way bigger than our ways. And so number three is, is surprise. Let's be ready for the moment of surprise because watch this. In the first moment that we've got to be ready for if we're going to pursue him is perplexity. The second one is we got to be ready to marinate on a few things. Just tuck them in our heart. God has made one thing abundantly clear to me, and he does not ask for my advice. He has made that abundantly clear. I have told the Lord, I feel like you're ignoring my counsel. <laughs> I feel like you're not paying attention to my plan. In fact, the other day I had this, I, this thought of something that, that I need and, and I saw clearly how my need could be answered and it was from this particular guy and I had this thought one thing is for sure, it's not going to come from him. 
When I see a perfect way God could fix my situation, God never picks that way. Are you with me on that? He never, ever picks that way. But there are the moments of surprise. There's the moments of surprise. And, and let me say, this moment of surprise, I noticed that Mary had this moment of surprise whenever she went to this festival. It was the Passover festival. Jesus was 12 years old. And so by this point, she had been marinating on things for 12 years. I'm not saying 12 days or 12 hours. I don't know about you. Have you ever prayed something and God doesn't do it within 12 hours and you get frustrated? Come on, stop acting like Moses. And Does anyone here get frustrated? Is it just me? You know, it's like, I just prayed it. Come on. She went 12 years of tucking things in her heart, and she actually went her whole life tucking things in her heart, but, but all of a sudden, she is going to the Passover festival, and the Bible says, as usual. It's just the thing they do every single year, and without her realizing it, her just doing the as usual faithful thing, she had no idea that God hides the unusual inside of the usual. He hides it. He sticks it in there. And so when faithful people just continue to stay faithful, there's this moment of surprise where you go, oh, God just moved. She took Jesus down to the Passover festival. He's just like any other kid. And then all of a sudden she leaves the Passover festival to go home and she realizes that Jesus isn't with her. Now, I think Joseph is the dad was trying to teach Jesus a lesson. <laughs> I said, stay with me. I told you, get back on the wagon or I'm going to leave you. And you didn't get back on. And I meant it. I'm going to leave you. Has anyone here ever wanted to leave their kid at Walmart just to? I'm just going to make a point here. I'm just going to make a point. How many of you have been left at Walmart? Let's start there. <laughs> And so Mary comes back and she sees Jesus teaching and she, Jesus, the 12-year-old, is teaching teachers at the temple. Wow. And I think that there was a moment there right before she started yelling at him because she had to have been upset. She just went, wow. And I just want to just tell you that all of us have the perplexing seasons all of us have the marinating seasons. But if you can hang on and not give up and go through the tough times and go through the dry times, you will have the surprising moment where you back up and you go, wow. Now here's the four subpoints under point number three, that if you have not been taking notes, take these notes, because this is most important. There's four subpoints. Before I give them to you, let me lay a preface. In the area of faithfulness, when I talk about faithfulness, I am mostly talking about our prayer life. In this context, I am mostly talking about our prayer life. And I am saying that if we are going to be faithful people, we have got to be people of prayer. 
We have got to be people of prayer. And I, and I just want to say this. There, there, there used to be a time in my life where I could not pray an hour. It, I would bite my fingernails. I would stare at the clock. I would stare at the wall. I could not pray an hour. And I, I would be discouraged. I would think to myself, I'm supposed to be in the ministry and I can't pray an hour. Oh, my goodness. What is wrong with me? Maybe this isn't me. And then all of a sudden, something happened. And I want to tell you about it because I feel like I need to pastor you today. I need to pastor you because I believe that there's a lot of people in this room that you want to pray and you want to spend time with God, but praying is such a challenge. And, and it has been a challenge with me for portions of my life until something happened. As, as I decided to, and I feel like the Lord showed me this, to pray in categories, a progression. There's a progression that I use. Now, you might use a different progression. One's not any better than the other. But the progression that I use, here's the four subpoints. Number one is I start praying with praise. I start off with praise right off the bat. I start off with praise right off the bat. Now, I may praise for 60 seconds. I may praise for nine minutes. I may praise for 20 minutes. It, it, it may last one minute. But I always start off with praise until I run out of things to praise about. And... And then number two, I ask for the Holy Spirit to help me for the remainder of my prayer. And number three, um, I uh, begin to ask for forgiveness of my sins. And every day I follow this same progression. And then number four, I begin to petition and ask God for things. Now, I'm a little bit nervous because... Um, I did this in the first service, and, and I thought, I better not do this in the second service. And then I thought, well, I'll try it out and see how it goes. And I feel this pit in my stomach, and I don't want to do it, but I'm going to do it anyway at the expense of feeling incredibly awkward and silly and embarrassed. I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to pray in front of you as if you're not here. And I want you to not so much pay attention to my words, but pay attention to the progression and I want you to pay attention to the fervency because you want your prayers to make a difference, right? You want your prayers to make a difference. You want them to make a difference. But, but this is what James said. Watch this. James said this. He goes, the, the only prayers that get weighed significantly, and watch this, James chapter 5, verse 16, the effectual fervent Prayers of the righteous man availeth much. So they have to be fervent. There's no such thing as a faithful person that has the right to expect surprise if you don't know how to pray fervently. And so I'm going to pray as if you're not here. And I only want you to pay attention to two things. Number one is the progression, and number two is the fervency. And so... Let me pray. I'm going to pretend like I'm in my room, and always the first thing I do is I close my eyes because I want to block everything else out, and I want to envision Jesus somewhere in the room, like I'm talking to him, or he's 10 feet off the ground and 10 feet away. So one of those two things is usually what I'm imagining. But the first thing I do is I close my eyes, 
and I raise my hands. Raising your hands is just an outward expression of surrender. That's all it is. It's found in the Bible, both in the Old and New Testament. But I'm just showing you how I pray. There's no wrong way to pray. I'm just showing you how I pray. And, and when I couldn't pray five minutes, now, listen to me, I find it frustrating if I don't pray an hour. I find it frustrating if I can't pray an hour. And it's all because of the progression and the fervency. And so I'll shut the door, I turn off my phone. First thing I do is turn off my phone or I throw it somewhere where it'll vibrate and I won't even hear it. And so I'll begin to pray and I'll go through the progression. And I will say thank you for everything that crosses my mind, everything that crosses my mind. Lord Jesus, I thank you that I'm able to pray to you in front of people without the government being upset with me like it would be in other nations. I thank you that I'm able to stand on two feet and pray to you, whereas there's so many people that can't even stand. I thank you, God, for two strong legs. I thank you, God, for a desire to pray. There's so many people who they, they don't even have a desire. I thank you for that desire. I thank you that you're listening to me. You're the, you're, you're the king of the universe, and you're actually listening to me. And I thank you for my wife, and I thank you for three kids, and all three kids are healthy. They're not in the hospital. I thank you that they're not in the hospital. And, and I thank you, Jesus, that, that your presence is in this room, even though I can't see it and I can't physically touch it. I thank you that you're here. And, and then at this point, celebration, I could easily go for 10 minutes just thanking him for whatever I think of. Sometimes I'll say, I thank you for the shoes that are on my feet. I thank you for the carpet that I'm standing on. I thank you that my house is air-conditioned. I'll just pray for everything that I can think of, and then, and then I'll go into the second stage, which is asking the Holy Spirit for help, and I'll say this, Holy Spirit, I cannot pray longer than 60 seconds unless you help me. I will get bored, and I will start thinking of different things, and Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me. Help me talk to the Father. Put thoughts in my head, put prayers in my head. And, and when I talk to him, Holy Spirit, let it sound beautiful. Change my voice or let it sound beautiful. It, let me create an atmosphere that's like potpourri inside of his presence. But, but Holy Spirit, I need your help because I'll stop praying and I'll get bored and I'll start thinking about different things. So, so help me in the next few minutes and, and help me to not even care about time. And, and so then I ask the Holy Spirit for help. And, and I just feel like I need to say this to young men and young girls right now. Uh, David was a young man and he got anointed to be king because he started doing this when he was just a small boy. And so as for I, after I ask for the Holy Spirit for help, then I begin to ask God to forgive me. And I'll say, Holy Spirit, I know I'm not perfect. I want you to bring every single sin, every single shortcoming to mind because I want to ask for forgiveness. And then I'll just spend time on that. I'll say things like this, dear Jesus, my thoughts are filthy and I want your precious thoughts in my mind and, and your precious thoughts are too precious to be in this filthy mind. It's too precious. Would you just clean my mind? I'm sorry for my thoughts. I'm sorry for my eyes. I'm sorry for my ears. I'm sorry for the 
filth of my mouth. I'm sorry for the filth in my heart. I'm sorry for the public sins and for the private sins. And I'm sorry that you've given me a wonderful wife and I haven't been the husband I should be. And you've given me precious kids and I've been more impatient with them than I have celebrated them. Oh, would you please forgive me for that? Forgive me for the way that I pastor. I want to pastor better. And, and, and I haven't been pastoring the way you want me to. I know that. So help me and please forgive me. Forgive me of my sins and I'll just ask forgiveness until I can't think of anything else anymore. And then after I finish that stage, and again, by this point, I've already prayed for about a half an hour. And then I'll begin to petition God and I'll begin to ask God for all the things that are on my heart. Dear God, I want you to give me wisdom beyond my years. I know I'm a young pastor, I'm a young father, I'm a young husband, but Lord, I want wisdom beyond my years. I want you, what's confusing to other people, I want it to be obvious to me. Lord, in the name of Jesus, every time I snap my fingers in my ear, I want my ears to open more and more to be able to hear your precious voice. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, ears open to hear the voice of God. Listen, 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 listen in the name of Jesus. Lord, put your gifts inside of me. Let them flow out of me. Lord, if there's nothing I'm good at except for spending time with you that will be enough so help me to want to spend time with you and I'll just go on and on on all the things that come to my mind and a lot of times when I'm in that fourth category the Holy Spirit will remind me of something that I didn't ask forgiveness for and I'll go back to that category and sometimes I'll go back to the second category of praising him and then I'll go back through it again. And then I'll go back through it again. And I just want to say to all of us, we are pinning our hopes to be close to, the God, to, to God on something that will never happen if you don't have a prayer life. If you don't have a prayer life, you are no more powerful than a person who never talks to God. You're no more powerful. And you shouldn't expect miracles. You shouldn't expect it. And here's the thing that I want to challenge all of us on. Because God rocked my heart on Monday or Tuesday. I can't remember what it was. He says, Frankie, I want you to pray as if you really believe it's going to make a difference. Man, I tell you what, it sounds good right now on Sunday morning, but it did not sound good last week because that was me having to face into the fact that I am not praying as much as I normally would because deep down inside, I don't think it's going to make a difference. Let me ask you a question. If you were 100% sure that prayer made a difference, would you be praying more? Would you be praying more? I can't hear you. Would you be praying more? The reality is, is that we need to pray as if we are certain that it will make a difference. And that, my friends, is when we can back up and we can say, I'm in the process of marinating. I am back and forth in perplexity, but I am expecting a surprise. Are you with me?
Are you with me? I am expecting a surprise. My last and final point is this. It's the word waiting. When Mary showed up and she saw Jesus at the temple, uh, Jesus said something that I had never caught before until I read it just the other day. She came up and Jesus said back to her, why have you had trouble finding me? What, what, I don't, why have you had trouble finding me? It took them days to find Jesus. And he, he was perplexed. He said, I, I don't understand. Why, is it, why have you had trouble finding me? And, and he was in the temple, and he was helping people that needed him. He was telling people about salvation and eternal life. So he looks at it and goes, why have you had trouble finding me? Should, shouldn't you have known I was about my father's business? Shouldn't you have known that I was in the church? And shouldn't you have known that wherever I would be out talking with people that need me? Shouldn't you have known that? And, and I would say to you and me, when we go into those seasons where it feels like we can't find God, why are we having so much trouble? Don't we know that he is always here? Don't we know that when we begin to help people and invite people to church and give to the poor and we're kind, don't we feel his presence at that moment more than we do the rest of the week? Don't we find him right then and there? Why is it so hard? He is waiting exactly where we think he should be waiting. And so I want to say this, it's not a Christmas that I want us to have. I want us to embrace this white Christmas of saying, thank you that you have forgiven me of my sins. And I'm not just going to go through this holiday enjoying the festivities without acknowledging that you have made it a white Christmas. And I am bracing myself and I'm getting ready, ready, ready for those four stages. I'm, if I'm in a moment of perplexity, that's okay. I'm just going to marinate on it and, and I'm just going to hang on and wait for the surprise. And, and when I need you, I know where to find you because you're always waiting exactly where you should be waiting. I want to challenge you to make prayer the most important part of your life. I'm going to say something, one more thing, transparent. Uh, I'm training for a marathon right now. And so I, uh, months ago, I decided I I'm not going to skip a day. I'm not going to skip a day, even if I have to wake up at 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, which I've done many times uh, uh, to run. Um, I'm not going to skip a day. Well, last week, this freak thing happened. It's like 2 o'clock in the morning. I smashed my baby toe. I get this hairline fracture on it. But I made up this commitment that I'm not skipping a day. So I have this fractured baby toe and I'm like, I don't care. So I went out and I ran for three hours and I came home and my foot was the size of that piano. <laughs> and that was it for me. That was it for me, no running. I mean, I'm walking like this. And it was during this process of being incredibly upset because I have, I've told, I told God, I have worked so hard for this. 
I have worked so hard for this. For months I've been training, for months I've been trying to eat right, for months I can't believe that this has happened. And, and I was so upset. And um, God spoke to me on Monday or Tuesday and said, I want you to start praying as if it's gonna make a difference. And on Tuesday, I prayed longer than I have prayed on any one day all year until I woke up on Wednesday. And then Thursday was the same thing and Friday was the same thing and Saturday was incredibly busy. Oh my gosh, it was so busy. And the only way I could continue this streak because I, now I've made a new deal. I'm not gonna go a day without praying at least an hour. So now I'm backing up and going, man, maybe this whole baby toe foot thing is just about me realigning my priorities. I've always prayed and I've always prayed every day, but not like this. Let me ask you, is, is anyone here, do you have your own sore foot story where God's trying to recalibrate you? 